0: I'm Rachel. And I'm Leah. And And this this is is Hashtag Hashtag History. History, the podcast for both history nerds and history haters alike,
1: where we dive into history's greatest stories of controversy, conspiracy, and corruption. Welcome to Hashtag History, episode 21. I'm Rachel. And I'm Leah, and once again,
0: I am taking her over, bitches! (laughs) I'm sorry, I got carried away. I'm very excited (laughs) and nervous. Um, Now, before we begin, let's catch our listeners up on what we've been up to, Rachel.
1: So it feels so good to be back. A month break was a super long time, but it was also a super refreshing time um, that gave us time to catch up on putting together episodes for season three. And trust me, this season is going to be so good. Yay! By the time this episode will come out, we'll have done another giveaway on Instagram. Mm -hmm. So it feels a little weird to talk about it here since by the time this episode's released, a winner will have been selected. So. Congratulations to whoever you are. Yay! (laughs) But yeah, so we're staying super active on Instagram. And um, you can find us there. It's hashtag history underscore podcast. And you can see on there that we just created these super cute necklaces. Um, they're, They're like these little pendants with the hashtag history logo on them. And then a little feather charm on the same chain to represent the quill that's in our logo. So be sure to check those out. Those are only $12. I don't want to make this a sales pitch, but they're $12 that includes shipping for these super cute necklaces. So check those out.
0: We would like to, like, maybe be able to pay for the alcohol that we drink on the shelf yeah. by the money we make possibly. Yeah, that would be-
1: That would be cool. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Because at this moment, we're going broke buying gin every other week. Which we don't even like. (laughs) Which we don't even like. (laughs) Yeah, that would be awesome. And I mean, the necklaces are super cute. Again, this is sounding like a sales pitch, but I have been wearing mine for the last like two weeks, however long ago we created them. And I've worn it um, to the gym and it like... I don't know, I was like worried about it getting sweaty and stuff, but it like holds up really well. Um, and I think it looks really cute and classy with all outfits. Anyway, I'm done with my little shop TV. Yeah,
0: jeez. Yeah.
1: Come on. <laughs> and then finally, the only other update that I have, um, I wanna give you guys a sneak peek already. For episode 30, yes, I am already giving you a sneak peek for our season finale, but... We're crazy. We're crazy, and we are both type A over planners, Um, but we are so excited. I'm not going to reveal too much, but just a hint, we are collaborating with a local museum to bring you a super special season three finale.
0: I'm nervous about that one oh, too. Oh, already nervous. That's
1: <laughs> 10 weeks away and we're already nervous. Yeah.
0: Um I'm supposed to update now, but I don't really have any other update.
1: And the thing I just realized, so I brought cute like little snackies in here. It's our first time recording after like a month and um I have carrots. So that I don't sound? Know if, if you can hear all that. What is I- it the
0: ASMR that people like
1: yeah, are was- really
0: into the like There you go. <laughs> So I'm thinking maybe I won't eat carrots the rest of the time. Okay. Yeah, anyway. Can get them all in now. Okay. So now I'm taking her over. So excited. If I'm being 100% transparent, the only reason I know anything about this subject prior to my research- was thanks to my new favorite stars tv show I Outlander.
1: I think you're the only person I know that watches it. Jackie said she does. Oh, okay, just kidding. Our other friend Jackie watches it too. Shout out to Jackie. Hey Jackie.
0: <laughs> okay, I am 100% obsessed with it. 100%. And the series takes place in multiple centuries in multiple timelines and places thanks to time travel. Ooh. Ooh. But the first couple of seasons center around the Jacobite Uprising of 1745, also commonly referred to as the 45, and the 45 Rebellion. Okay. If you haven't watched the show and are at all interested in historical fiction with yeah. lots of romance and yeah. sexy time, yeah. I highly, highly recommend it.
1: <laughs> I like all those things.
0: I'm actually going to, while you do your cocktail segment, I'm going to pull up a picture of the main guy Please character. Because like, wowza.
1: Is that the reason you watch the show? 90%? 80. Eight, okay, that's solid. Okay. No, I, w- I would be honored to describe that picture. Okay, great.
0: So, the, just a quick little snippet of what it is before Rachel goes into her cocktail segment. The Uprising of 45 was the last of a series of Scottish revolts against their British rulers in an effort to restore a Catholic Stuart to the English throne. But... Before we dig into this dish, let's drink. Woohoo! Okay,
1: so let me preface this with I know absolutely nothing about the Outlander show, and I actually know nothing about the Jacobite or Jacobite? How did you say it? Jacobite. Jacobite Rising. There you go. I don't even know how to pronounce it. So I know nothing. Mm -hmm. So everything I say from here forward when referencing the show and how this cocktail was chosen specifically because it reminds me of that one part where that one thing happened and then this part where that other thing happened, I have no idea what I'm talking about. Great. (laughs) I found a website called that'snormal.com. And they actually have a whole article called Boozlander, your ultimate Outlander drink guide for season four. Have you seen season four already? Yes. Okay,
0: good. Illegally. That's... I don't actually
1: have cable, so I can't watch stars. As long as you can understand the references. Oh, yeah. Okay. So thank you to that author of that article for saving the day and giving me some inspiration for this week's cocktail. <laughs> There were a bunch of delicious looking cocktails on that website, but in an effort to pull from the resources we already have and to avoid drinking gin, I have chosen the red Jamie. He's the guy I'm going to show you. Okay. So before I explain what the drink is, I was hoping you could provide some clarity as to who Jamie is and why he's red? Yeah.
0: So first of all, um, I'm about to show you a picture of the actor, and I just wanted to point <gasps> out that he's literally the first I open Instagram, and I follow him on Instagram, and it's his picture. Oh, so
1: get ready. So it's like he it was meant to be. Oh, <gasps> yes. Can I click at other oh, pictures? Please, yes. Okay. Go into
0: his profile. It's
1: <laughs> great. Um, so Jamie is
0: the main um male character in. Yeah, he's yummy. Later. Yeah, he's yummy. Um Scottish accent, just imagine a thick Scottish
1: Ooh. accent on top. Of yeah, it. he like,
0: just got better. Mm-hmm. And he is And I, I
1: may 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 have just come across a picture of him in a white tank that's very wet. Oh God, and a yeah.
0: Lot of no, he's being. all about like it, I mean, he'll show that that bod.
1: <sighs> all right. <laughs> now that I know who Jamie is.
0: Um, yeah, so he's called Red Jamie because he has in the show he has like these red like curly like a mop hair almost okay,
1: yeah, okay, yeah, okay, so our drink is red mm-hmm. um it is one ounce of Irish whiskey, one ounce of ginger ale, two ounces of cranberry juice shaken with ice in a shaker, and then chilled and then strained over ice. I don't think we chilled, Uh it's cold, Yeah. it's been sitting here a long time, yeah. I've been waiting a long time to drink this drink. It's cold. And according to the that's normal.com website, this drink should remind you of that one time when Jamie's hair was perfect.
0: I think it, I think that's supposed to be a joke. It is, but I don't, I guess his hair is always perfect. According to most people.
1: Got it. Mm -hmm. So let's drink. Okay. Yes. Cheers. Good. Yeah. Um, what? I didn't think that cranberry and whiskey would go together. I've never done cranberry and whiskey before, but it's delectable. Potentially better than cranberry and vodka, or no? No, that's 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 a pair that cannot be broken. No, 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 no. Um, no this is delicious.
0: Yeah, uh, it is Irish whiskey, which I feel this is all about Scotland. Ooh. So I feel a little like yeah, uh,
1: like maybe we cheated a little. We
0: cheated, but um. I mean, they're neighbors.
1: I think it doesn't help that we're drinking these with straws, because I'm going to drain this whole thing in about six seconds. I mean, I'm already about halfway okay. done. Well, you you have to drink up, because you're talking this entire time. Yes. Okay.
0: Um, de- delectable. Yeah. Uh, what are you rating it?
1: Uh, let me take another drink and then decide. <sighs> Seven out of ten? Yeah. Seven. Yeah. I like it. I do, too.
0: Okay. So, before we dig all the way into this rebellion, and why do I keep saying dig? Let's dig into this.
1: I say that a lot. Okay.
0: let Or, you know what I say a lot?
1: Let's dive. Let's dive into this. That? Let's <laughs> in dive further. Probably in future episodes that we will be recording, the word dive is probably in it like 17 times. So. Great.
0: Mm-hmm. Look out for dive, guys. <laughs> that should be a drinking game. Okay. Every, Every time, time we either say, what did I say? Dig or dive. The other
1: thing I've noticed at least I say a lot, but you actually have said it a couple times already in this episode is 100%. Like oh gosh, yeah. I 100% am, agree with that. Yeah. And I 100% am obsessed. And
0: I honestly think I like pick up things from people I hang out with. I think I picked it up from you.
1: Yeah, and maybe the digging in thing is from me too.
0: Yeah. Okay. Well, if we spend too much time together, <laughs> great. Um, okay. So before we dig in, <laughs> Take a shot. We need to. We need to go over the events that led to this revolt. So a little background. And by I, the way, this like we're going all over the place for this, yeah, okay? Right.
1: And I was gonna say I've changed my mind. This may have jumped up to like a eight point five. Wow. Because I, I just had to mix a little bit and it got sweeter and it's really good. Oh, good. Eight point five. I might want another one. I know we're recording like five <laughs> episodes today, so we should. <laughs>
0: Yeah, I don't know. We'll see. Okay. Um, (laughs) So anyways, we're going to be jumping all over the place. Um, Time-wise, I'll try to keep it as chronological as possible. And there's also going to be a lot of like talking about battles and stuff. So just bear with me. Take notes if you can. And imagine that guy being front and center.
1: Okay. So yeah, I would provide a challenge to our listeners that even if you're driving right now, pull to the side of the road look him up his name is the actor's name is Sam Hewen Sam right? Hewen Did I make that up No it's
0: Sam Hewen
1: okay And and just get that visual right before you listen to the right. story Okay I think
0: it'll be fun by the end it just might be a little rough getting there Okay I'm ready Okay So way back in 1603 James the 6th I can count. Um, (laughs) James VI, King of Scots, inherited the English throne and became King of England and King of Ireland, thus forming a personal union of the kingdoms of Scotland, England, and Ireland. Scotland subsequently entered into a political union with the Kingdom of England in May 1707, that's a long time later, to create (laughs) the new kingdom called Great Britain. The Union also created a new Parliament of Great Britain, which replaced the separate parliaments of Scotland and England. It should be noted that at this time, Scotland was still operating under a form of feudalism, which we talked about in a
1: previous episode. Yes, we talked about that in our Black Plague episode. Here's a quiz. That was episode eight or nine or something. Yeah, it was definitely the first season. In the first season, yeah.
0: Okay. So... In this form of feudalism, clans ruled by chiefs or lairds sliced up the Scottish Highlands. Um, All of the people living on the clan's land had to pay taxes to the lairds, often in the form of goods rather than actual money. Mm -hmm. Um, Rachel, I've uploaded a picture of a map showing the breakdown of the Scottish clan lands, if you want to describe that. Yes,
1: of course. Um, So it's definitely a map. (laughs) <laughs>
0: and, i mean there's not much to describe
1: yeah i can see it's broken into um just like little sections that i'm assuming each of these are like clans you have the clan of uh robertson stewart i was going to try to do a scottish accent and i not. not no i ca- i actually cannot okay. do a scottish accent but um yeah there's the different clans they all have different names there's clan cameron clan Ranald MacDonald, so it's kind of like Ronald McDonald. Oh! A little bit. Anyway, Mm-hmm. it's a map. Sorry, I was just
0: eating a cube of cheese. <laughs> Not a carrot. <laughs> Not a carrot. So, clans gave a sense of shared identity and belonging to their members. In fact, most clans have their own tartan patterns, or what you and I might call plaid, yes. which uh, members still to this day incorporate into kilts or other clothing. They wear it during, like, ceremonies mm-hmm. and, 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 like, Scottish games and that kind of thing. So you could walk up to someone, see they're wearing a kilt with a specific color and pattern, and be like, yo, you Clan Fraser. You my cousin, right?
1: (laughs) That's awesome. Yeah.
0: Now, because of this sense of identity, the clans often fought with each other. Everything from small disagreements to all-out war took place among the clans regularly. But occasionally, the clans would band together to protect Scotland as a whole – Think Braveheart.
1: thinking it. Yeah? Got it. Okay. Great.
0: Even though I've heard that, I've actually never watched that movie. I know. (gasps) I've heard it's like very historically inaccurate.
1: Oh, yes. Like
0: painfully so.
1: Yes.
0: But just imagine that.
1: Okay. Yeah, yeah. I I get the vibe. So
0: moving forward, I need to watch that.
1: Uh, Braveheart? Yeah. Yes, you need to watch Braveheart. I've watched little bits and pieces of it. Yeah, you have to.
0: So moving forward to 1688, the Glorious Revolution placed James II with his Protestant daughter Mary and her Dutch husband William, who ruled jointly over England, Ireland, and Scotland on the throne. Mm -hmm. Neither Mary nor her sister Anne had surviving children, which meant that their very Catholic half-brother, James Francis Edward Stuart, remember him?
1: Yes, and I, I know him.
0: He was the closest natural heir to the throne when they died. Now, this scared the anti-Catholic English Parliament, who were gaining more and more power over the English throne. So, in 1701, the Act of Settlement was instated, which basically excluded Catholics from succession, wow. which is absolutely crazy. Yeah. Like, they were just like, nah, n- no Catholics. <laughs> like, <laughs> that's... Not bonders. a thing. No. So Mary died, so Anne became queen in 1702. And because of this new act, James Stuart was passed over as her heir. And the next in line to the throne was the distantly related but very, very Protestant Sophia of Hanover.
1: Hangover?
0: It's Hanover. But, I mean, <laughs> we can just call her Sally Hangover. <laughs> um, which, uh, Hanover, I... Found this out, and I meant to add this, but Hanover is a German uh, family. They they are some German aristocrats, and so so now Germans are essentially running England.
1: Interesting.
0: Yes, the Hanover family. So the Hanover family. (laughs) (laughs) So Sophia died in 1714 before Anne her aunt or whatever mm-hmm. um did and when Anne followed just a couple of months later Sophia's son George the 1st was left to rule so we got a german dude ruling the english throne got it cuz he's protestant and
1: got
0: stuart isn't now during this time james francis stuart scurried off to france then eventually italy exiled mm. i guess they were worried he was going to like try to claim his rightful He's rightful place. Rightful place on the throne or something. How dare he? Weird. Okay. (laughs) Are you following so far? Yeah. Yeah. good. Catholic yet rightful. And I use air quotes here because I think we've all concluded that bloodlines and traditional monarchies are dumb. (laughs) King has been exiled. Rando Protestant dude becomes king of England and begins the new Hanover dynasty of Great Britain.
1: I, I would love if that was how you wrote your, like a history paper. Like, let's summarize the rightful person. That we know this whole thing is ridiculous. The rightful person has been exiled. (laughs) And then this rando Protestant dude, he's the current guy. Okay, okay, got it. Got Um, it. A plus. Now, this didn't sit well with the Catholic
0: Scots or the Highlanders, um, and even those Scots who were Protestant wanted a Catholic king on the throne who would further their separatist desires. And I, I read some discrepancies. A lot of things say like, oh, all of the Highlanders, all Scottish people, or a majority of them were Catholic, and that's why they wanted the Stuart on the throne. But then I read some other um, papers and, and articles and stuff saying like, no, actually, a Great majority weren't Catholic, they just wanted a, a Catholic dude on the throne because they knew he would be more sympathetic. Sure,
1: and maybe traditionally too. Yeah. So just following tradition. Yeah,
0: so you can read into that yeah, how you want to. Many attempts to restore James Stewart to the throne took place over the next few decades, including two full-on rebellions in 1715 and 1719, which were both very quickly squashed. I think you're taking a picture of me right now. Okay. The 1719 Rebellion was such a blow that a large majority of public support of restoring a Catholic king to the throne kind of died a slow, sad death. The Scottish people were crushed. Um, British troops were indefinitely stationed in Scotland after the attempted uprisings to quell any anti-British actions, and to be honest, were full-on dicks to the Scottish people great yeah jacobites who by the way take their name from the latin form of jacobus of the name james um became sort of outcasts thought to be ridiculous idealists fighting for a hopeless cause Mm -hmm. so jacobites are the people that wanted to restore james stewart to the throne so the birth of james's son's um, Charles and Henry Stuart helped maintain public interest in the Stuart family. But by 1737, James was just chilling in Rome, having abandoned pretty much all hope of a restoration. Um, but this didn't sit well with James's son, Charles, a.k.a. the Bonnie Prince Charles. And you'll hear that name a lot.
1: Okay.
0: I, I guess he was... So Bonnie is like pretty in Scottish. Okay. Right? And I guess he was by their boy. standards he was pretty.
1: Okay, got it. Imagining a pretty boy. Yeah. Get ready because you're going to see him. Oh. Yeah. So in the
0: 1743 Treaty of Fontainebleau mm. or Pacte de Famille, mm. <laughs> the French king Louis and his uncle Philip V of Spain agreed to cooperate against Britain, including an attempted restoration of the Stuarts. You see, if they aided in restoring a Catholic king on the British throne, because they were both Catholic, they would establish themselves as strong allies, make their Catholic Pope pat them on the head, and effectively end all of the dang near constant conflicts between their countries and England. I don't know if you like go back, if you look at this time between France, England, and Italy, it's just, just like, it's war. just constant. Ugh. And it's over like stupid things. Yeah. Now that that background's all done, we're going to move on to the uprising. We're going to be discussing a lot of dates, a lot of battles, so just grab that drink, although I think you're done. (laughs) Grab some cheese and hunker
1: down. (laughs) I'm with it. Grab some cheese and hunker down, guys. (laughs) (laughs)
0: <laughs> all right, in November of 1743, King Louis of France advised James Stuart, the invasion was planned for February of the following year, and began assembling 12,000 troops and transports at Dunkirk, France, which we've all heard of Dunkirk. Yes. Since the British Royal Navy was well aware of these plans, a French squadron in Brest made preparations to lure British patrols' attention away from the Dunkirk troops. I don't know what these plans were. Perhaps inviting them to an all-night raver on a yacht? I really don't know. (laughs) King James remained in Rome while his uppity son Charles snuck off to secretly...
1: Yeah. Okay. (laughs)
0: snuck off to secretly join the invasion force in dunkirk but when the french squadron left brest on january 26th to again lure the british army away from dunkirk where all the troops were stationed the british royal navy refused to follow they were like dudes we can see you planning an invasion right over there like we're not gonna follow you So unfortunately for the French, storms sank a number of French ships while in port at Dunkirk and severely damaged many others. And in March... King Louis very quickly just gave up, canceled the support of an invasion, and instead declared war on Britain. Makes total sense, right? Yeah, okay. I'm, there might be more there to, to why he declared war on Britain, Or but, there
1: could not be. Or
0: there could not be, because I feel like they were just like, "Nah. I, for today. I, nah. he stole my rocket shit toy. I don't know, like- It's just dumb. (laughs) So in August, Mr. Bonnie Prince Charles, the uppity son, traveled to Paris. And he might be like, I don't know if a Scottish person is listening and is like totally. We do have a Scottish audience. Yeah. uh, You two people in Scotland who might listen. I'm sorry if I'm insulting your like, your, your peeps. Yeah. But. But also like, just wait. (laughs) In August. Mr. Bonnie Prince Charles traveled to Paris to argue for an alternative landing in Scotland, where he met with Sir John Murray of Broughton, or Broughton, not sure, liaison between the Stuarts and their Scottish supporters. Everyone, including Murray, kept telling Charles, like, this isn't going to work. Um, we should probably, like, hold off for a little bit. But the prince wouldn't have it. He was convinced that an uprising would magically work out this time and was dead set on being part of it. Alrighty. When Murray um, returned to Scotland with this news, the Scots reiterated their opposition to a rising without substantial French backing. But Charles gambled that the French would just have to support them once he was there. Oh my god. It's probably mostly due to the pretty and flattering way that the Bonnie Prince Charles is portrayed on the show Outlander, but I just don't like him. My impression is that he was like very full of himself, probably trying too hard to prove himself to Daddy, convinced he was divinely sent to grace this earth with his presence, like literally divinely sent to grace. With his presence. Oh,
1: that's how I
0: feel. And he was like, not at all concerned that his gambles would lead to thousands of people's
1: deaths. Wow.
0: So I want you to take a look at the picture I uploaded (laughs) of him and give
1: me your thoughts. And then I think I need to see the actor too. Oh, okay. I don't remember who that is, but I can do that. While I'm looking at the actual picture. Oh, okay. So we have Bonnie Prince Charles here. It's a painting, of course. Um he's very pretty is what I would say. Um yeah no he's like very pretty. These pictures are always these paintings. Um the artists especially when they were depicting royal families were under the obligation they had to present these people in a favorable light so even if you were like had a triple chin they'd only give you like a double one instead. <laughs> Um, Or your eyes were too far apart. They'd kind of paint them a little closer together. So I do know this is not exactly what he looked like. And he is, of course, very beautiful looking in this picture. Um, But yeah, like full lips, big oval eyes. I have trouble finding his... The actor? That's all right. Okay. Um... Yeah. No, I can can see the the Bonnie part. Yeah. Got that. Okay.
0: Well, um, also uppity.
1: Yeah, 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 yeah. Right? I see that. Okay. Mm-hmm. So, despite everyone
0: warning Mr. Uppity to hold off, <laughs> the bonnie butt <butt-face> prince spent <laughs> the first months of 1745 purchasing weapons and eventually convinced France to provide him two transport ships, which carried the weapons and around 100 volunteers from the French Army's Irish Brigade, what, over <laughs> to Scotland. <laughs> but guess what? When the two ships left for the Western Isle in early July, they were intercepted by a British Royal Navy ship. Surprise! 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 (laughs) And after um, a four-hour battle, both ships were forced to return to port, and one of the ships had lost a lot of volunteers and a crap ton of weapons in the skirmish on august 19th the official rebellion in scotland was launched when 700 jacobite troops and more supporters joining every day marched on edinburgh um it's spelled weird but it is edinburgh
1: i believe it's your pronunciation there thanks (laughs) um
0: now the bonnie prince charles eventually joined them in edinburgh on september 17th where his father james was proclaimed king of scotland and charles his regent This was followed by a shockingly successful battle,
1: Mm.
0: the Battle of (laughs) Prestonpans, which some (laughs) of these names, gosh, (laughs) um, it took place just outside of Edinburgh and resulted in the defeat of the British troops, and 12,000 of them sent back to England to, quote, regroup.
1: Wow. Yeah.
0: So, like, all of a sudden, a real victory, even though they've just had nothing but bad luck. Uh Uh-huh. Meanwhile, Prince Charles worked to gain even more support from the Scottish people. Firstly, by rejecting the Act of Settlement. You remember that act excluding Catholic heirs from the line of yes. succession? Yeah. And then secondly, by publishing examples of British oppression. Like, he would print papers, like, kind of just outlining, what the like, British had done. yeah, look, wow. it, they've been dicks to you. <laughs> Um, so, morale was further boosted in mid October when the French landed supplies of money and weapons, finally validating the claims of French support. Um, a council was formed to, quote, advise Prince Charles, made up of representatives from France, Scotland, and Ireland, who also wanted a Catholic king back on the throne. But tensions soon rose as each representative wanted different things. Surprise, like they're from oh, different yeah. countries. <laughs> Now, despite their different motives, the council agreed to invade England on the condition that the English and French support Prince Charles promised was forthcoming. Okay. The Jacobites made their way into northwestern England, slowly making progress and gaining a small number of English recruits, but by the time they entered Derby, which is actually sh- like just over 100 miles from London, so wow. they got pretty far into England... Um, they thought they had gone far enough until more English Jacobites joined. You remember Bonnie Buttface Charles? <laughs> um, he had promised English support of the uprising, and when he admitted it was kind of just made up, oh. the council decided it was time to turn back around and retreat. Constant suspicion amongst the council and a general distrust of the Charles, of the Charles's words? <laughs> the Charles. Of the Charles, <laughs> of his word, caused fractures in the United Front. Yeah. Not surprising. No, obviously. Yeah. All of this, like, it's going to be, everything that happens It's like a duh.
1: Yeah. Like, it's just a duh. (laughs) Duh. Yeah.
0: (sighs) The Jacobites evaded pursuit during their retreat with only a minor skirmish at Clifton Moor, crossing back into Scotland on December 20th. The invasion of England achieved little, but... Reaching Derby and returning was a considerable military achievement, so morale was high, and recruits from the Fraser, Mackenzie, and Gordon clans, as well as other Scottish, Irish, and French volunteers, brought the Jacobites' numbers to over 8,000. Wow. Yeah, so they were feeling good. Yeah. Um, They continued with small skirmishes as they retreated, all of which were considered victories. Wow. I just don't understand why you would retreat if you're doing good. If you're doing good. Anyways, by January 30th, 1646, the Duke of Cumberland arrived in Scotland to take command of the English forces after the failures of previous leaders. So Cumberland decided to wait out the winter and moved his troops to do so at Aberdeen in northeastern Scotland on the coast there. Around this time, the Hessian force German soldiers who served the British Army, because remember the Hanovers were technically right. German, um, took up position to the south to cut off any path of retreat for the Jacobites. So they were kind of coming in from both angles, and the Jacobites were just slowly being like herded into uh-huh, uh-huh. An, a region. The weather eventually improved, and by April 8th, the Northern Cumberland Force again resumed the campaign reaching Cullen, which is a little inland of the northeastern coast, on April 11th, where it was joined by six battalions and two cavalry regiments. And for those of you with no clue what the heck that means, (laughs) battalions are large groups of soldiers ranging from 300 to 800. So there were six of those. And the cavalry are regiments who primarily fight on horseback. So in in short, a lot of freaking English troops. And they all eventually ended up in Nairn by April 14th. Wow. And now we're getting to the grand finale, a.k.a. the Battle of Culloden. Okay. The Jacobite forces of about 54 hundred at this time, left their winter base at Inverness, leaving most of their supplies and assembled five miles to the east near Dramasi Moor or Dramosi Moor.
1: I liked the first way you said it.
0: Dramasi? Yeah. Okay. Um which today is actually called culloden Moor. And in the Outlander show it's always called culloden Really? So that was interesting. Why would they do that, you ask? Yes, I ask. Why are they leaving their, their base? Well, because Bonnie Buttface <laughs> Charles had decided to personally command his forces, which meant stupid decisions were being made oh my God. despite being advised otherwise by like professionals. Oh, come on. <laughs> so he thought rather than wait for the British to attack, they should attack their stronghold in Nairn at night. Jeez. Jacobites have about 5,400 and The English troops have, uh, I would say, at least that much, if not more. Okay. Okay. The Jacobites start moving toward the um, nearby English encampment in Nairn at about 8 p.m., which is well after the sun had set, Uh so they left later than they needed to. This was all on April 15th. But it took them so long to cross the boggy moorland since they were avoiding roads. Shocker. That they didn't make it to Nairn until only one hour before dawn. Oh my God. So the plan was to attack at night and surprise and them they, and they then they show like, up an hour before.
1: Like five AM, four AM, something yeah. like that.
0: Okay.
1: Um <laughs> Yeah. Jeez.
0: An aide de camp of Buttface Charles <laughs> later wrote the following Rachel, do you mind reading and preferably in a crappy
1: Scottish accent? <laughs> Uh, I don't mind reading. However, I don't think I could even attempt to pull off. I just need scotch. you to try. I, no, I couldn't even actually attempt it. <laughs>
0: just do a British
1: accent with like okay. a r- rolling your... r. Ar- I can't even I roll my R's. I'll do a British accent, guys. Maybe. For part of it. <laughs> now I'm so conscious <laughs> Okay, don't. Okay. Just do it. So this march across the country in a dark night, which did not allow us to follow any track, had the inevitable fate of all night marches. It was extremely fatiguing and accompanied with confusion and disorder. So it was a shit show. Yeah, that's that was the nice way of saying it was a shit show. Yeah.
0: Lord Murray, who remember like a, like at the very beginning, he was that he was the contact between the Bonnie Buttface and like the Scottish people. Okay. Lord Murray, who now commanded a third of the Jacobite army, concluded that there was not enough time to mount a surprise attack and that the offensive should be aborted. Another officer was sent to inform Bonnie Buttface Charles of the change of plans, but missed him in the dark. Oh my god. Meanwhile, um, while Murray led one third of the Jacobite forces back to Culloden, the other two thirds continued towards their original objective, unaware of the change in plan. It was just a shit show. show. When word finally got to Bonnie Buttface that the first column led by Murray had gone back to Claudin, he conceded and turned back, too. I was
1: half expecting him not to, since he doesn't... He was like,
0: the, follow- yeah, these yeah. jerks aren't supporting their rightful king. Yeah,
1: exactly. Yeah.
0: So he had headed back, too. Others had almost reached Nairn before they realized that they were alone. So at least a third of the army. Wow. Um, And that many of the members of the English army were awake by then, celebrating the Duke of Cumberland's birthday. It just (laughs) happened to be his birthday, so they stayed up all night partying. (laughs) Oh my god. The English troops soon found out about the planned attack and set off for Culloden between 4 and 5 in the morning, eager to fight with the knowledge that the Jacobites would be weaker after walking in the Boggy Moor all night. Oh my god. But they were also probably hungover, so I'm like, I don't, who's, who's got Who the upper can, hand he here? Um, and I just need to pause so we can discuss what a freaking shit show this was. Absolute shit show. I, I can't, like, From it's start literally, to finish. The whole I'm, thing. I'm picturing, like, people actually running around with, like, their arms <laughs> waving in the air, just, like, not but, like, knowing some what of them, the like, heck kind of, is going on. Some of them are, like, arms in the air, but, like, walking sideways a little bit, too. <laughs> Yeah, I just I'm pick, I'm trying to picture it. An absolute chaos, just total chaos. And
1: what like what does that do for morale too? Like I'm get ready. A okay. great question.
0: Okay, so I'm not going to go into a lot of detail about the actual Battle of Culloden because this isn't an episode of Game of Thrones, people. <laughs> I don't think we need a play by play. Another show that I haven't
1: watched. Yeah, you're not Sorry. getting any of my references. No. Doctor Who? Not not even Doctor Who. <sighs> Yeah, sorry. Okay. You're just a different kind of nerdy. Yeah.
0: It's okay. Um, But I will say, all of the following led to the defeat of the Jacobite army on April 16th, 1746. All of these things contributed to the defeat of the Jacobite army. A large portion of Jacobite troops were further north, fighting another campaign against the British. The remaining troops of Culloden were exhausted from the trek to Nairn and back the night before. (laughs) Many of the exhausted Jacobites had gone off to look for food or a place to sleep and just missed the call to battle. Oh
1: my god.
0: Those who did make it to the battle were exhausted and frankly pissed about the failure the night before.
1: 100% I would be pissed.
0: The Jacobites' main battle strategy and only option in this case due to lack of supplies was to charge the British and engage in primarily hand-to-hand combat. Stop it. And the British had guns. And, and bayonets it. and oh yeah, cannons. Stop. So it's estimated about 2,000. I would hope
1: if I was one of those people, I would hope I was one that like fell asleep and missed the call. Oh, I mean like you would
0: feel bad, but at the same time you'd be like, this was Uh,
1: stupid. I don't know that I'd feel bad. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, This was a shit show. I would prefer not to participate. Yeah. Sorry guys, I was asleep. I missed the alarm. (laughs) (laughs) The alarm clock didn't go off. Yeah, my alarm clock didn't go off, guys. (laughs) (laughs)
0: So, it is estimated that about 2,000 Jacobites died, and the remainder retreated and disbanded. In striking contrast, the English losses were only about 50.
1: Oh.
0: Yeah, so. Well, yeah. Yeah.
1: I mean, someone's coming at you with their hands, you can shoot them from several (laughs) feet away with a gun. Yeah, and that
0: was actually, like, uh, it was kind of like a very common thing that they did was like it's the Scottish charge just like in Braveheart uh-huh when they like charge yes. and they just do hand-to-hand combat like that was like their thing but it's like Not- they have cannons right
1: do they do this scene in the show in Outlander? Uh-huh. oh yeah get ready
0: okay buckle up for that um Culloden marked the end of the military phase of the Jacobite Rebellion of 1745. Of the officers and chiefs who escaped the battle, many fled to Europe and served in foreign armies. Many of the Jacobite soldiers fled to the American colonies to avoid imprisonment, imprisonment or death. Oh, and what happened to Bonnie buttface You're, you're asking, right? Yeah, yeah, I was wondering. I'm so glad you asked. <laughs> For five months, Stuart crisscrossed the Western Scottish Isles, constantly pursued by government supporters and under threat from local lairds, who were tempted to betray him for the 30,000 euro or euro? Pound? Uh, Pound? I don't know what it would have been at that time. Um, But yeah, he had a huge reward on his head. But alas, BBC... (laughs) Funny butt face Charles.
1: <laughs> the BBC. The BBC. Um,
0: eventually boarded a small French ship, which ferried him to France on September 19th, 1646. Uh, but he never returned to Scotland. Mm. Oh, and I think it's 1746. Yeah, because he didn't go back in time 100 years. Got it. 1746. He, fer- he <laughs> went back to French. French, went back to France, and then um, never returned to Scotland, and I don't even know if he felt bad about, you know, killing 2,000 people for a hopeless cause. So following up on the military success won by their forces, the British government enacted laws to further integrate Scotland, specifically the Scottish Highlands, with the rest of Britain. The battle was followed by a lengthy period of suppression in the Highlands, marked by government-sanctioned and supported massacres and plundering. Members of the Scottish Episcopal clergy were required to give oaths of allegiance to the reigning Hanoverian dynasty. The Heritable Jurisdictions Scotland Act of 1746 ended the hereditary rights of Lairds to govern justice upon their clan lands, and... As a reminder, previous to this act, the Lairds, which included clan chiefs, had considerable judicial and military power over their followers and their lands, despite technically being under British law,
1: Mm -hmm. and that was no
0: longer allowed. Lairds who were loyal to the government were greatly compensated for the loss of these traditional powers. For example, the Duke of Argyle was given what I believe is... 21,000 euros. Mm -hmm. I don't know if that's like back then or pounds. I don't know. I should have looked that up. Those lairds and clan chiefs who had supported the Jacobite Rebellion were stripped of their estates and these were then sold and the profits were used to further trade and agriculture in Scotland. Which, I mean, at least that's nice. Yeah, this
1: is like the only good part I've seen from this entire thing.
0: Yeah. The forfeited estates were managed by factors. Um, Anti-clothing measures were taken against the Highland Dress by an Act of Parliament in 1746. Um, The result was that wearing of the tartan was banned except as a uniform for officers and soldiers in the british army oh. so in short the highlander culture was smashed to a bloody pulp oh yeah and that's the end of this uplifting episode oh, oh my god rachel what are your thoughts
1: uh, what are my thoughts i think it was really sad i think that was awful i think you can have like all of these awesome thoughts and motivations, but if you have absolutely no resources and it's not practical, like don't fight it. <laughs> like just, just leave it alone. If you're not going to win,
0: yeah. It was um the show. Like I, the whole premise of the show is that it's someone from the future goes back in time, uh-huh. and the whole time she's like, "Hey, you like everybody? You're she's, just stupid,
1: right? Yeah." She's
0: like. She doesn't tell everyone she's from the future because then they would, like, think so she's she a know, witch.
1: She knows the results of the battle. Yes.
0: And so she's like, no, like, everyone's going to die. Everyone we know is going to die. This is going to suck. And they, they, they just... They
1: listen. Yeah, they just keep
0: keep on going.
1: Well, does it sound like BBC Bonnie... Bonnie, Bonnie Butt-Face butt butt Charles, yes. <laughs> would have listened either way.
0: No. And the way he's portrayed on the show, again... I don't know how realistic that portrayal is, but he, he's just so flippin' annoying. He's just like, I'm divinely sent, and I don't know what else to sell you. We're going into battle.
1: Oh my god. Yeah, it's really annoying. Well, I really very much enjoyed this, because I knew absolutely nothing about it. Yeah. Zero.
0: That's exciting.
1: Yeah, okay. absolutely Zero. I know, um, I know who James Stewart was, and that's about where my knowledge In what ended. context?
0: Like, how did you know who he was? Because
1: wasn't he related to Mary, Queen of Scots? Wasn't that his daughter or his wife or someone? I, I think, like, Mary maybe, Queen like, a
0: distant – because Mary, Queen of Scots, I think, was in the 15 or 1600s. Oh, okay
1: either way i know the name james stewart because i remember it with the whole catholic protestant yeah but he he is a descendant of her okay i believe that's the only context i just knew the name like oh yeah he has something to do with the whole catholic protestant thing yeah and that's the extent of what i knew
0: okay
1: i dig it yeah If you enjoyed the episode, do us a favor and subscribe to Hashtag History on whatever podcast platform you use, share it with a friend, and give us a rate and review. And be sure to check
0: us out on Instagram at hashtag history underscore podcast. Thanks.
1: Bye. Bye.
0: (laughs) Hey, 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 y'all. It's Leah, and Rachel and I came up with an idea to put our... G-rated appropriate bloopers at the end of every episode. So, if you want to hear me continuously mess up and slowly descend into madness, continue listening and enjoy. Thanks.
1: Oh, this is me. Living
0: life, hanging. Um, what? Having (laughs) restore Jane Stewart to the throne.
1: The Outlanders?
0: Or no? No. Oh, I was trying to make a connection. Okay.
1: <laughs> I'm like Never god mind. No, dumb. oh my god,
0: you idiot! Here, take it back. Oh my gosh. <laughs> but this didn't sit well with his. J- with oh my god.
1: Ew. It's okay. It's the cheese.
0: <laughs> so the Jacobites evaded pursuit during their retreat, which. Um, oh my gosh! Breathe. <laughs> The invasion of English achieved. Now that that background's all done, we're gonna move on to the uprising. Okay. We're good. Good. I'm ready. Okay, now we're on to the actual. Dad, I just said that. (laughs) (laughs) I'm not even drunk yet.